What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance, and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases. I dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, bands, studio artists, DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. They're distributing over a third of the world's digital music at this point. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper. Check out the link in the episode notes. I will also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it will give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKid sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe here in Portland, Oregon. This has become one of my favorite local hangs because they have free music every Wednesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. and Sunday afternoons 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. They are located in inner southeast Portland and not only do they offer free music on their their large patio setup, but they've also got a killer brunch menu from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays. The French toast and the breakfast sandwich are lights out. And I can't really do much alcohol personally, but I love their Virgin Bloody Marys. And they've got some other mocktails for folks like me as well, as well as the, the real deal cocktails, mimosa flights and all the goods. So come on out for brunch or come out in the evening for the new warm weather cocktail menu featuring lots of fresh fruits and vegetables, tons of outdoor patio space and good eats. Big thanks to Produce Row Cafe for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Let's do it. What's good, everybody? Back to another volume of I Dig Records, the Dan Cable Presents podcast series coming at you once again. Hope everybody is doing well out there. If this is your first time tuning in, you can find regular episodes of the Dan Cable Presents podcast coming at you every Friday, which is usually myself in conversation with an artist doing the deep dive on their background and creative process talking tunes and records and then every other wednesday typically is i dig records which is a series i've been doing with my cousin for the last year or so we pick a record we talk about the tracks and the things that stand out to us and whatnot as well as just what we think kind of makes a great record and maybe try to convince each other that uh, a particular record belongs in one of our collections but 
Cuzzo is on the move right now. He just recently moved to LA and I'm giving him some time to settle in down there. So I had the idea to have some guest hosts and today on volume 25 of I Dig Records, we have our first ever guest host who is a past guest of the Dan Cable Presents podcast, Daniel G. Harmon, DGH, back on the podcast. This dude came on episode 247. Really enjoyed getting to know him through that and talking about all the music that he writes and produces, as well as his band Local Liars and his work within the industry. So when I started thinking about guest host for this thing, his name definitely popped into my head and he was super into it and tossed out a, uh, a few records to me that he would maybe enjoy doing. And the one that I selected out of the batch was this face-to-face 1992 album called Don't Turn Away. And this is a genre that we have not really touched upon within the series. This is that skater punk, street punk of the early 90s and was super stoked at the opportunity to listen to this album a bunch and really uh, it brought me back. It brought me back to some uh, some early feels and early exposure to my young mind to music. So this was a very fun chat. Love talking with Daniel G. Harmon, and this dude has become a fast friend. So we're going to get into that momentarily. If you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels, helping strangers find the podcast and just a great way to contribute to the sustainability of this thing. Appreciate all the folks that have already taken the time to do that. If you're not listening on iTunes, just hit like, follow, subscribe, wherever you are listening from. The podcast is available on Spotify now, and I've also been dropping monthly playlists there every month, so... The links for those will be in the episode notes, along with the links for the Dan Cable Presents mugs and t-shirts. And for my guest, DGH, that will be there. The Distro Kid link will be there. The Produce Row link will be there. North 45, all the things, all the people that help support this thing, those links will be there for sure. If you're a Portland local, I want to hit you with a couple calendar dates before we get into this thing. Every Wednesday night from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. at Produce Row, there is free music going on, as well as Sundays, 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. This coming Sunday, we have last week's guest of the podcast, Brother vs. Robot. He will be doing the thing over there at 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. All these shows are free in all ages, by the way, and on the patio. So if you're not really ready to... uh, be indoors checking out music yet this is a good spot to do it the patios are both covered and we got jack maybe coming up on wednesday september 22nd miguel hernandez and his trio will be there on september 26th and september 29th dj set from vanport he'll be spinning vinyl that night so that will be very cool but produce row every wednesday And every Sunday, free music going on over there. And that's all the things that I can think of. So I think we're going to go ahead and get into this thing. Thanks again 
to Daniel G. Harmon for joining me once again on the program. Pleasure to chat with this dude once again. And uh, this is our chat about Face to Faces 1992 release, which came out on Doctor Strange Records and later distributed by Fat Records, which is where I bought my copy just yesterday. So those are available. Fat Records link will be in the episode notes as well. And this is us talking about Don't Turn Away. I just want everybody to know that I dig records. I dig records, bro. I dig records. All right, dude. You ready to jump into this thing? Let's fucking go. You are the first guest host of this I Dig Records series, so I am stoked to have DGH, none other than you, you know, doing the thing. (laughs) I feel like uh, we are going to get into some music that I wouldn't normally get into with my cousin, and it's not because he hates punk rock by any means, but I think it's just because this particular era of punk that we're going to talk about today with this face-to-face record kind of hits more of when you and I were growing up. I know we're just like a couple years apart. I think you're a couple years older than me. I'm Um, old. Yep. (laughs) But uh, for that reason, this has no, uh, it just like doesn't resonate with him much. So I was very stoked when I asked you what records would maybe be in the mix for this episode. And you picked this Don't Turn Away record from Face to Face, this 1992 release. Oh my God. Yeah. It's it's a record that, I, I say, you know, a while ago I had to figure out, you know, when people ask you, what's your favorite band <laughs> or like, what's your fl- favorite bloody blah and getting caught off guard is the worst. And you're like, even though I know it in my soul, I still, when I'm on like on, you know, someone's putting the screws to you, it's hard to like regurgitate it, you know? Yeah. yeah so it's like, I'm going to write it down. So I wrote down like what my favorite bands were of all time. And then what, uh, my favorite punk band of what was of all time. And of course that's face to face. And that's my, you know, favorite record of theirs. And, uh, I'm super excited to, to get to chat about it and dig in a little bit. <clears throat> yeah, man. I was stoked that you picked it because face to face was definitely amongst kind of my entryway into punk rock. We had the showcase theater in Corona, California, where I grew up, which was a very popular, uh, venue, and, and a part of the the punk circuit so i got mm-hmm. to see a lot of cool music that came through there and i think that's maybe what helped pique my interest even as a young person i saw like a battle of the bands there and you know these kids these, these eight to 15 year old kids just throwing down like heavy tunes and uh seeing like this diy venue kind of feel to the thing just something like much different than i had seen anywhere else up until that point and uh those punkarama compilation cds were so huge at that time mm-hmm. and and i think just like compilation cds in general were a big deal at that time because they're like what playlists are now f- for people yeah and it's funny i was listening to face face today and i was like oh do you remember survival of the fattest yeah it was like you know the punkorama for that just fat records did yeah i was like i know there was like some deep cut on there but there wasn't and and there's actually fat hasn't released them 
to like Spotify or streaming or anything. So I'll have to go to my storage unit to get like the <laughs> CD out. But it was very similar for me. You know, I grew up in super rural Arizona and it wasn't until I moved to Phoenix in 94 that uh, I started going to, to shows and mostly just because of, you know, kids that I was hanging out with that really kind of introed me to, to really music. <laughs> you know how it is. You know, I grew up in a pretty sheltered environment and then realizing, I think my closest uh, thing to punk that I really listened to at that point was like MXPX or something, you know, right? which they're punk, you know, but yeah. uh, it was like, I don't know how, I think I just got like invited to go to a show uh, in, in Tempe to go see face to face and probably, I don't know, another, I want to say Jawbreaker, because I definitely saw Jawbreaker, I believe, and Face to Face together at the same venue, but where they literally just laid me down, <laughs> you know, and I'd never heard them, never listened to the record, and this was right before Big Choice came out, so they were still touring the hell out of Don't Turn Away. Hell yeah. And uh, I remember going home and, and buying, going to Stinkweeds the next day and buying the CD, and uh, remembering every song from what they had played. And that is, there's only been two times in my life that that's happened. That was one of them. And the other time was seeing uh, Nick Cave on the No More Shall We Part tour. And I'd never heard really any Nick Cave. And then I saw that show and then I went home and got the CD. And it was like, I remembered every single song from that show. And I was like, man, that to have that kind of lasting effect, you know, especially at like a sweaty punk show is pretty right. impressive. Right. So yeah, how man. far were you from Victorville, like their home turf? Yeah, right. So I was I was checking into that and just like seeing some background on the band. And Victorville is 15, 20 minutes from where I grew up. So it's it's a part of the Enland Empire, which is where mm -hmm. I grew up pretty much. It's all Riverside County. And um, yeah, man, like that Disconnected, which is like the most iconic face-to-face -face track, is on this album and was on that Punkorama Volume 3. So when I turned this album on, which I did not know front to back very well, you mm -hmm. know, Face to Face was definitely a band that I knew of and, you know, I knew a few of their songs, but it was it wasn't ever something I went deep on and it wasn't because I didn't dig it, but I think it was just because at that time it wasn't like you could just listen to everything. You had to like pick and choose what you were actually going to buy mm -hmm. to listen to. So, uh, yeah, I was stoked that disconnected was on this. And then that brought back like crazy memories, <laughs> very oh, yeah. like just tapping heavy into the nostalgia of it. But I think it also felt like it, it stood the test of time when I was listening back to it, you know? Oh, absolutely. And they have been putting out consistently great records ever since the record that came out, yeah, four years ago or five years ago now, Protection uh, is to me is like it harkens back to the the Don't Turn Away, Big Choice era. It's just like straightforward, hooky, fast, you know. And I yeah. think that's the thing that shocked me as a youth was just how fast it was. Um, you know, I didn't really listen to like Thrash or Social D or anything like that growing up. And then just to kind of get slapped in the dick by this band that was just a million miles an hour. Hell yeah. But still melodic. Right. You know? Right. Um, 
hooky, melodic, and um, tight as shit <laughs> live. Yep. And that when they first had it, when we were, they were a first, a th- they were fr- three piece first, and that's when I saw them the first time before they added Chad Yarrow to the mix. And it was just like so fucking tight. And you knew that they were just really dumb. You know, like that they had just worked on this shit over and over. Yeah, I was even checking out a performance from like 2019, yeah. and it just seems so solid. Yeah, and they've had a pretty rotating cast of characters. You know, they've had Shiftlet on bass since uh, since Matt left, and I think he left in like '96. Um, yeah, I think he's listed as from '95 till now. Yeah, so that that dude's brother is the dude from uh, Foo Fighters. Right. I was looking at that, yeah. <laughs> and that's one of those things. Is like, oh, this this shit's just like in in the blood. It's in the DNA. Yeah. That always exactly. trips me out when there's two really amazing musicians that are siblings, or you know, it just seems like there has to be something there. Good Charlotte, for example. Yeah. <laughs> Oasis. Oasis, yeah, good Charlotte, uh, and no one else, I don't think. Uh, we can yeah. only now go forward with twins that are in bands. Are they? Are these dudes twins? I never went that deep. Um, th- not the Shiflet dudes, but the good Charlotte dudes were. And, are they really? Wow. And I guess I guess Oasis, no Noel, and uh, the other Liam. fellow Liam. They're not twins, are they? They fight like they are. Though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ever seen that supersonic documentary on, on Oasis? No, is it good? Oh, it's it's worth a watch. It's I mean just just to see how they operated with like together or not operated together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Rather like it was a trip. But. It's funny. I am like so hungry for music documentaries all the time and whenever something's on, I'll watch it and there I remember when Netflix kind of first went streaming hardcore uh before you know they were still doing seat not cds dvds and stuff mm-hmm. but i was sick or something and i was just laying in bed working my way through netflix music documentaries and they had like a murder city devils one on there and they had this face-to-face one that came out and this had to have been right around 2007 and it was like the last face-to-face shows ever and it was like a documentary about that and kind of a history of the band and it interviewed rob kurth the original drummer uh and he was like looking working at like a car used car lot or something and it was super depressing but it was just funny because i was like i don't think this is going to be their last show (laughs) (laughs) these guys are like you know older dudes who haven't done shit except for play music for their whole life they're probably going to need some money at some point and they're going to, they're going to get the band back together and go back out on the road, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, man. You were talking just like to the, to the speed and and even thrashiness a little bit 
of of the music and it happens kind of like right from the get-go there is no oh, time yeah. to prepare it's it's like he's counting you in strap in go. let's go exactly like the real the first real punk record that i heard and you know a lot of that stuff you know like strung out lag wagon isn't immediately accessible but for some reason you know it, it takes a minute for you listen to it about five times and then it's got its hooks in you no pun intended um yeah, yeah. but from for me face that first that face to face record it just hit me right away and i was like all right now i'm this is this is everything for me um, and it's funny, I would think when I was listening to this in the 90s, like I knew about the Sex Pistols and all the 70s, you know, punk. So I was like, is this really punk? You know, or is this like poser punk? And I still wonder that, I guess, you know? I don't know, man. It, it feels to me like the, uh, the authenticity of like that the punk rock attitude seems to be alive in this music to me, even going back towards it. And mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what I meant when I said it stood the test of time. It doesn't, it doesn't feel shitty or posery, I guess to, to like, in like trying to imposter something that wasn't actually there to me. Uh-huh. And I, I think maybe you had uh, like similar surroundings in Arizona, but to me, this is kind of like, the punk rock that the suburbs breed you know like this feels to me and and why like punk rock i think was so important to me from an early age is because it it does kind of expose you to some different things and like this discontent for the keeping up with the joneses thing and you know you're being exposed to as you get older, just being exposed to the injustices of the world that maybe aren't always uh, highlighted in your your history books or whatever. And so I think a lot of that came to my attention because of that. And I think it was important to me as this white kid from the suburbs to have some of this fuck you energy to to what was going on. and 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 some of it seems to you know, stem even just out of your relationships with people. Cause I think that's maybe like the suburbs are not always the same issues as like inner city problems. Sure. So yeah, I feel like it's that, it's that street punk to me, the skate punk that, that seemed to be really prevalent around this time around like what warp tour was built on originally. Did you go to punk versus ska? Did you have that? In no, I, I, I mean, it, it may have like existed around it, but I, I don't, I don't know that I went to any of those. 
I remember it was a tour and it, I think it was like 97, 98. And I can't remember if face to face played it, but that was the era when it was really like ska was its, was its thing, you know, was coming, yeah. coming up. Uh, it was having its resurgence, which propaganda hated, you know? Um, <laughs> and I remember going to a show in Tempe and it was like, Skank and Pickle on one side of the stage. And then the next side was like Blink-182. And it was that to me, there's like no more 90s <laughs> moment than, than like a punk versus ska festival. You know, that shit would <laughs> yeah. never happen again. And if it did, it would be like, you know, at the, at the, at the fair. <laughs> <or something. laughs> but I'd be there. I'd be there. But I don't know, like. Where else would you kind of like find that where you grew up, you know, like this sort of energy? Well, you know, I lived in Phoenix. I moved to Phoenix in 94 and I was there for five years. And that was really when Jimmy World was kind of coming up. And um, I think really a big introduction to this world was through them because I, I, I don't know if I told you this, but I lived with... Um, Rick's girlfriend. Yeah. She was, we were going to college and we met in class and we both needed roommate. So she moved in and, and lo and behold, she was Rick's girlfriend. And so she would just start dragging me out to all these shows that Jimmy world was opening up and, um, static prevails hadn't come out yet. So they were still like the, the golden boys of Phoenix, just because of that, this one album, uh, that was pretty punk, you know, and it was actually, to be honest, it was like more Tom than Jim, you know, Tom had like eight songs and Jim had two. And then we know mm. where we're at now with that. Right. But um, <laughs> I always felt that Tom had the heavier side anyway. And so they really fit in. They could open for face to face. They could open for heavier bands like rancid and not be like out of place. Um, and so just having that, that really kind of opened a lot of, not only social but musical doors for me um yeah. i wasn't really playing music at that point uh I started a few years later i was just like a bedroom gu guitar player um but that really became my education <laughs> you yeah. know i went to i went to i was going to, to community college and that you know my is pretty much where my education ended uh traditionally <laughs> but uh it was very much a musical education during those like, you know, mid to late nineties years. Cause that was like an every, every night thing. And then when I moved to Seattle, I was going to shows every night too. Um, cause there's only t so many times a week that Jimmy world will play <laughs> in Phoenix, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I think going back to like what you said about, you know, skate, I think skate punk is probably actually a perfect term for, for what face to face does. Cause it's fast and it's not, angry it's aggressive but not uh hostile so i think of face to face as like really positive um and one and i swear like a motherfucker but one thing that i always thought was cool was like they could tell a story they could be angry but they weren't always swearing you know in a way that yeah. like no effects was or whatever yeah i think that there's a lot of uplifting energy to a lot of the music for sure you know it's it's definitely high energy 
and it's got some angst to it, but I don't know. It feels, it feels like it's trying to like rise above it or something or trying to, you know, lift you above it. Like even with disconnected, those gang vocals oh yeah are, are like one of those things i think that makes it feel like really communal obviously and it doesn't matter if you're in harmony it's just like everybody and and those are like the, those are the most powerful moments of those shows right like where everybody is yelling the fucking lyrics to everyone's favorite song Listen to the band Iron Sheik. Uh, you know, I recently started listening to some of that. I, I kept hearing that name, and uh, I, I stumbled upon, like, I don't know, maybe a couple weeks ago. I was just cruising band camp, and I was like, oh, I got to check this out. And I was, I was kind of, like, disappointed that I didn't know more about it. I'll, I'll text you this one record that you should listen to 24-7. Um, and I was like, what is it about this band that I love so much. And I was like, well, they kind of are like a poppier against me or a poppier hot water music. Mm. But what it came down to was exactly that, that screamy gang vocal and the production on it is like lead singer high in the mix. And then unless it's like a breakdown, a vocal breakdown, my ear hears gang vocals tucked in behind every single line and that that lifts it up and it like you said it makes it feel communal it makes it feel like uh like it's could fill a room you know and then you go and you go on youtube and you see their shows and that is exactly what those shows are Every, every dude on the stage is fucking singing and the whole crowd is screaming back like you can't even hear the singer you know and I think it's like really special too when you're able to capture that in the studio too. You know, they were able to replicate that that feel in the room. You know, and didn't need the the hundred kids in you know. Yeah, and you know that you they didn't have to track like one track at a time. They just were like, all right, Mike in the middle of the room, it's hanging down. Everybody get in there, you know, get your girlfriends or whatever, and we're all singing along to this one. Oh man. One of the things that I love about this style of punk rock, and I don't think it's necessarily exclusive to this subgenre of like what we're like calling skate punk today, but the floppy, loose bass strings. Oh yeah, is just I, I love it. That's like some that's like some my Carrera shit, especially too. Like MXPX is like blah 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 blah. Yeah, you know, flopping around, flopping around, and he's singing the whole time while he's doing that stuff. <clears throat> and I think I think also listening back to this over the last couple of weeks, I I just had no idea what maybe this record in particular may have done to advance the scene at that time. You know, like this feels like it had to have influenced the Blink movement heavy. You know, just like some of the melodies and and the the vibes to these particular tunes and. And I know this only came out like a year before 
maybe a year or two before Dookie, but even even that record, you know, because this is ninety two, and I think Dookie was ninety four. Yeah, ninety three or ninety four, because I remember it was definitely around when I was in high school. I just had heard that before I had heard, you know, Don't Turn Away. Um, but yeah, you're totally right. I think about bands like Alkaline Trio, you know, yeah. who do like heavy, fast, but kind of dark shit. Like they go way dark, but you know, Face to Face has had those elements in there. Uh, yeah. I, you know, it's funny. Like I always lived kind of in my own head about Face to Face. Like I would go to shows, but since I moved to Seattle, you know, 20 years ago, I don't think that I've seen them live, uh, which is hard hard to say <laughs> well next time here. they come through the pacific northwest we're going yeah exactly for sure for <laughs> we're, sure we're doing uh, it. i know trevor keith is on like an acoustic tour right now um <laughs> but i always like they were kind of ma- they were like dear to me you yeah. know like like G- jimmy world was dear to me mm-hmm. you know a band that spoke to me that i kind of had as my own they ended up becoming what they are um but face to face you never really heard about, you know, like, especially as I transitioned out of like straight up listening to hardcore and punk into like listening to Death Cab or, you know, more indie rock type of stuff. Right. But I always was like, maybe I'm the only one. And then it's nice to see like people chatting about them or seeing a t-shirt at shows and knowing like you have a kindred spirit, you know? Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. This, this album definitely lives amongst like my favorite or iconic punk rock albums from this era for sure. Or like it resonates in the same way, you know, like my entry, I feel like a lot of it was around getting dookie it was mm-hmm. like, I, I got that. It it did. I checked. It was 94. Oh, wow. So I was, I was young, man. I was nine. But I listened to that. Like, when it came out, I listened to it on repeat. I had it on tape. And around that same time, I also had the Operation Ivy album, which is still, like, untouchable to me. Mm-hmm. And Rancid's Out, Out Come the Wolves. Oh, God. You yeah, know, like, classic. And, and this, <clears throat> this Don't Turn Away album gives me the same feels. Yeah, it's nostalgic, but also current. Yeah. You know? Like you don't, you're not ashamed. It's not like you're listening to class. You don't feel like you're listening to your dad's records or whatever <laughs> when you throw it on, even though it's just All, as old. Yeah. I was also like pretty happy or maybe surprised in some ways, just how much the lyrics seem to even relate to now. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to, I'm going to hit you with some, some history of like what was going on in 92. Cause I think there's like some, some pretty relevant things to what is happening in, in 2021 here. So and what we have Bush one. So, so what we have like, yeah, Bush is in office. Uh, Clinton has just gotten like the democratic nomination, but so also June 29th of 1992, the U.S. Supreme Court reaffirms right to abortion. Oh. And now in 2021, we have lovely Texas. History repeats itself, you know. Crazy. Uh. Crazy. Uh, we got the four officers involved in the Rodney King thing. So that's obviously 
This is Coming still back. life today. <laughs> Never left. Yeah. Never left. Yeah. <laughs> and then we also have the U.S. forces leave the Philippines, ending nearly a century of American military presence. So it's like and, it's in and a now fucking we have playbook Afghanistan. or something. Like it's it's just crazy. Like you have these three major events that you can find an exact like I don't know correlation to where we're at somewhere today, and it's disappointing to know that these these dudes making this music were bitching about the same things that we're bitching about now to some degree, you know, throughout the tunes. Yeah. It's funny. I, you listen to like no effects from 99 or whatever. And fat Mike is screaming about the president and the government. And I was like, but that was Clinton. <laughs> like, <laughs> like there was shit to complain about, but like, it just seems like there's always some angst. Uh, yeah, absolutely. From there, from that side for, you know, from fat Mike for sure. Um, but at the same time, I think regardless of who the, the leadership is, the oppressed are still oppressed. And I think right. that's that's the message, you know? Yeah. Trying to break out of your situation, um, move out of the suburbs, <laughs> move out of where whatever current situation you don't want to be in, you know? Yeah, for um, sure. But man, you went deep on the 92 history. Fuck, I was a junior in high school then. I didn't know anything. Yeah, I just I'm, I'm just always kind of curious about like what what was going on socially in some way, especially if we're going to talk about music that has some political charge at times. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting to know what surrounded that. Also like the albums that came out in 92 around this outside of the genre was just absolutely banging. Like you got The Far Side's Bizarre Ride, yep. Dr. Dre's The Chronic. Beastie Boys, check your head, and then pavement slanted and enchanted. When did um the first Rage record come out? It had Ooh. to be around yeah. that time. Are you doing a quick quick I'm Google? Doing a quick a quick Google here. <laughs> um, that that did not come up on the on that list, which mm. is just like the Google list. If you put 1992 <laughs> albums, the Google list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But you got REM's Automatic for the People, oh, yeah. my favorite REM album. Is that it? Was, yeah, that one's up there for me. I love that record. My favorite, I'm a, I am came to REM late. Me too. Uh, and so my favorite record is um, New Adventures in Hi-Fi. Okay. Um, and then probably Up. Uh, but still that same, still that same, you know, time frame, the, the 90s REM shit. Uh, you're you're good on that rage call that the self-titled came out in 92. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was one of my first CDs that I ever had. I remember going to Walmart, (laughs) (laughs) Sholo, Arizona and, uh, stocking up on like three CDs that I listened to relentlessly. It was that record. Um, the Joshua tree. Yeah. And where you been? Uh, the dinosaur junior record. Nice. Uh, and that was pretty much my punk education (laughs) until, (laughs) until I moved to Phoenix and, you know, kind of got into it, got into it there. And really the, you know, face to face was kind of the gateway for it. Yeah. In the punk rock genre, you had like bad religions generator came out that year too. I never got into bad religion. No. All right. I don't know why you got to send me like, I'm going to send you, so my move with Bad Religion and the kind of the way that I was introduced to what is maybe possibly my favorite punk band, 
Um, and I'm not usually a big fan of endorsing compilations or like col- like greatest hits collections mm-hmm. from a band as their best album. But Bad Religion has this comp called All Ages. And I think it is a really killer entryway into Bad Religion because you get a little bit of okay. everything and you also would not feel like you're listening to some greatest hits album at the same time. That's awesome. Yeah. That, so, will you text me that so that. I don't forget? Um, yes, I, absolutely. I think that, you know, I, I've never been adverse to Bad Religion. I just never sunk my teeth into them. But every time I'm like listening to Spotify and a face-to-face album ends or something, and you know how it shifts into like the radio of, yep. of that band. Uh, and, and whenever a Bad Religion songs come on, I'm like, yeah, I like this. But then I kind of forget about it, you know, and, yeah. and then it's on to Strung Out or something. For sure. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, you also had social social distortions between heaven and, uh, between heaven and hell. Which face-to-face gets a lot of social D... Uh, comparisons I don't quite get, but I'm also not, a, you know, a huge social d- distortion fan. So. Yeah, I had a phase with Social D, but I that was actually one of the things that I picked up when listening to this record. But for me, it's mostly in his vocal delivery, where I think sometimes he sounds like Mike Ness. I don't mm. necessarily think the band sounds like Social Distortion in the songwriting, but I do feel like there's some of that. Some of that vocal delivery and the melodies every once in a while. Interesting. It feel I don't know. I like it. It it's it's not a to me it's a a compliment. Um, for sure. And I don't love take this, this dude's the voice. wrong way. <laughs> well, that's good. I you know maybe face to face will be my my gateway drug to social D, but you know even when I was a kid, I remember when I took guitar lessons, like my guitar teacher was like church lady was like, I love Social D, and I'm like, Ooh, I don't know if I'm going to like this band. They're kind of yeah. like dadish, you know? <laughs> like, they're I mean, accessible. Yeah. I think they were always, like, a little older than that that maybe, group, too. So Yeah, maybe that's it. But, I, yeah, it was never, like, a long-lived thing for me with the, the Social D. You know, it was, and I think it was also because there's so much of it played on Southern California radio. Sure. That it was yeah. a thing that I got kind of tired of and and played out a bit k-rock was all over it yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> pouring some water uh <clears throat> drink more water please stay hydrated during the yes. podcast i don't uh, want you and k-rock uh, having actually any broke issues. face-to-face with disconnected oh really yep they're the ones that helped get you them know, signed yeah. to a major label because of their how much they played disconnected and didn't that least, did that happen later after this record came out though? Like it, a few yeah, years it after it. Okay. Yeah, if you listen to um, Big Choice, their second record, the last track, um, or second to last track, last they do, they do a de- um, Descendants cover and then they do um, Disconnected again, and it's like the skit. <laughs> you know, the '90s were big on skits. Yeah, yeah. Regardless of the fucking genre, <laughs> the '90s were big <laughs> on skits. Uh, and it's like a record company executive, and he's like, "All right, I got." They're like, the band's like, "The record's done, yay!" And the guy's like, "I got one last thing I want to talk to you about. What do you think about putting Disconnected on the record?" And they're like, "No fucking way. We're done with this song. We've been playing it for years." There, and then he's like, "Tim, 
or whatever. There is no goddamn way that song's going on this record. And then the next thing is, like goes straight into it. You know, yeah. uh, it's it's pretty funny. Uh, and uh, you know, as a young punk, an insight into how things work, <laughs> especially with major labels. You know, uh, so that one came out. Big choice, I think, came out on A and M in 97 96 in my mind yeah. i don't know if you do this but like all good shit in my mind happened all my memories of like the shows that i was going to and you know important musical moments in my life 97 it all mm. happened in 97 because it was like uh, going to see mineral or going to see face to face going to see jawbreaker yeah all, all 97 you know <laughs> there's no other year <clears throat> Hey, everybody, just wanted to take a quick minute to let you know that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by North 45 Pub, located in the Alphabet District of Northwest Portland. They've got a killer selection of Belgian beers and an extensive liquor wall with over 200 bottles. Muscles and Fritz are on the menu. Their cheeseburger is lights out, and they've always got some killer weekly specials as well. Aside from the menu items and beverages, they've got this awesome covered patio that is heated throughout the fall and winter with a bunch of big screens to watch all your favorite sports. And the best part is they have DJs playing tunes there every Tuesday night from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. and Sundays 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. So come through North 45 Pub for some tunes and some food. Let's get back to the episode. And and Don't Turn Away came out on Doctor Strange Records. Which is yeah. a local Alta Loma, another Inland Empire record store as well. Oh, is that right? Yeah, and I I only went there once, as uh, maybe in my early twenties before I moved to Portland. But um, yeah, I was looking at that and I saw it was Doctor Strange Records, and I was like, "Whoa!" So that's, that's a record uh, store that also a... put out records. Yeah, basically, cool. Yeah. Very cool. And then um, a year later, I think uh, Fat Mike picked it up and put it re- reissued it out on Fat. And <clears throat> guess who just bought themselves two copies of it today? <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> That's, That's how awesome. much I enjoyed listening to this album, and I've listened to it so many times since we decided that this is what we were doing. And yeah, there's I like especially the first seven tracks on this record just absolutely rip and i think the the energy like maintains throughout the whole thing but just totally agree particularly those first seven um killer yeah i agree i obviously i love the first half of the record disconnected sits in there but i i tend to lean towards the end uh like i really love do you care and thousand times because it really starts to kind of showcase what they're about to become you know it's not like it's slower it's just a little different maybe a little bit more melodic um and not necessarily the same you know uh a b a b c a you know pattern that they were doing for every song um but you know that's just me dude dude how about the baseline though on do you care Oh, now you're throwing down some fucking deep shit on me. Yeah. <laughs> Let me Turn listen. Turn it on. Turn it on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. That's ridiculous. It just, oh, you're right. It just rips right into it. And then they use that as like that transition for the other verses, too, which is 
rad. Like this yep. is that moment in particular made me think that this had to influence Mark Hoppus and the way he played bass with Blink. Oh, for sure. And I never even put that together. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, speaking of Hoppus, <laughs> funny story: the punk versus the the punk versus ska that I went to in Phoenix. Uh, Blink-182 played it. It was their first or second show in Phoenix, and uh, we went to talk to them afterwards, and we gave them directions on how to get back to San Diego <laughs> from the parking lot. <clears throat> That's a, such an old guy joke. <laughs> old guy story to tell. <laughs> You're running out of time, and I don't see a change in you. What are, yeah, what are some of your standout tracks on this besides Do You Care and You Said Thousand Times? times. So melodic. Um, no Authority, obviously. Disconnected. Timeless song. Timeless song. And You've Done Nothing, you know, just like you said, ripping right in with the four count and then straight to the balls. You know, it's just like, and it's unrelenting. That the record has its peaks and valleys, but not in a like, here's our ballad sort yeah. of way, you know, which is rare. And even now is rare, you know, especially back then when everyone was looking for a single yeah. <laughs> or, so, or something. They're like, nah, we're just going to plow through this. And what is it? The record clocks in at what, like 15 minutes, 20 minutes, uh, 37 minutes. Sorry, Jesus. I should have done my homework. <laughs> um, yeah. And but, you know, I. You should know I'm also notoriously bad at song titles. So, um. oh, sa- same, dude. Especially now <laughs> at this point, if I don't have yep. notes for things, it's just there's it's just too much. Um, I feel like nothing new was a face to face song that I knew previous to going through this record for this episode of the cast, and that was one lyrically that I really appreciated. Now of just this idea of not becoming complacent and um just kind of taking a jab at people that are not stoked about new experiences and new ideas it's got this uh it's got this line of please don't question me i don't have the time if there's a problem that that it's easier to set it aside there's nothing that will make you want to change your mind you can't take it you can't make it you can't make it so why try yep and again it just rips into it and on that like just like single note but so hooky and so catchy. I told you this. 
And I can't remember if it was Punk vs. Ska, but it was at that same venue when I saw Face to Face, and Chad Yarrow was in the band at that point, their second guitar player, and he, um, at the end, classic 90s move, flicked out a pick, and I caught it. And I was playing guitar, you know, probably for four years at that point, and I was like, well, Face to Face plays these types of picks, these are the only ones I'm ever going to play for the rest of my life. And I still, that's all I buy, the Dunlop 60s. That's so good, 60s. dude. <laughs> yep. I love Dun that. You know, because they're thinnish, and you can play fast as shit on them if you are good enough to play fast. Um, <laughs> but I was like, good enough for him, good enough for me. <laughs> Speaking of like Southern California feels to this style of music as well, if you put on pastel and go to like the 110 mark, you get one of these ska, like these SoCal ska breakdowns, I feel like. Oh, then also the. Dun, dun, da, 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 da. Yeah, and even his vocal melody. Yeah, the vocal melody he comes in with. Yeah. Da, 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 yeah. I'm hearing some floppy strings. Yep. Yeah, always, <laughs> always. You're right, dude. That is very ska. I never even thought about it. It's funny. It's like, like I said, these are there are certain things that you just live in your own head with that you don't really discuss. You know, yeah. like I'm, I don't have a ton of friends that I'm like, you know, uh, the baseline and uh, pastel. You know, like yeah. I probably haven't thought about the the baseline in that song or, or the feel f for 20 years. For sure. You're just like I'm listening to this shit. Um, but then to have someone point out a thing that you would not have necessarily noticed, man, that's it's golden. I love that. I think that's been something that's been really fun about doing this podcast. Yeah, it just makes me. I don't want the. I don't want listening to a record become to become homework by any means. But it makes you kind of listen to it differently when you want to talk about some key things, and especially for right now where you and I can't listen to it together and i do have to mm -hmm. kind of tell you hey put on the 220 mark the 220 right. mark has this crazy breakdown you know mm -hmm. that's amazing i'd never even thought about that i don't know man it's uh but then it's just such a great precursor this whole record for big choice which is tends to be like they they explain I don't want to say they go they go jazzy in any way, but they definitely open up a little bit. And adding Chad Yarrow as the second guitarist, I really think allows them to do that. You know, because I don't know, like I'm sure a lot of the shit on Don't Turn Away Don't Turn Away was overdubbed. Like he would double his Trevor would double double his tracks and stuff. But just having the ability to do other stuff creatively on guitar yeah. was huge. I'm sure for them. And, you know. and somebody else's ideas too exactly yeah yep um is there any particular tracks off big choice that stand out to me struggle the opener opens and it has like a really cool almost like hip-hop breakdown at the very beginning to it um it's almost like a fake scratch um and i remember seeing because face to face was on tour with 
they were on Warp Tour uh, with Ice Cube when this record came out. And I remember seeing Ice Cube on like MTV News with Kurt Loder. And he, Ice Cube is wearing a, a face-to-face Big Choice hat. And I was like, oh my God, that is the coolest That's shit so dope. <laughs> that is the coolest thing ever. Um, but then I think my favorite record or my favorite song off the record is Velocity, which is a real kind of like, it's the first time Face to Face did this. Um, it's a slower tempo starter, but then it kicks in, but it's still kind of mid-tempo the whole way through. And then yeah, it goes into the classic, like, you know, two-note solo uh, that they be, kind of become known for. You know, the, what I love is shit that, like, you know, single-note stuff where everything kind of changes around it. Mm-hmm. Or, like, guitar uh, chords that you just are hammered on where the bass line moves around it. Yeah. But the, the chord doesn't change. Face to Face is really good at that stuff. Yeah. Um, Definitely in that, like, hot water music mm-hmm. vibe as well, mm-hmm. which was another one of those bands I got introduced to pretty early. Like first mix CD I ever had was Hot Water Music on it with Thrice oh. and AFI. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. They're one of those bands that I love certain things about. Like there's certain records of theirs that I haven't even heard just because I love, Same. <laughs> you know, what is it? Um, a start and a crash. Uh, yeah. Is that what it's oh, called? So, um, so good. Yeah, I just never really got into their whole catalog and not because I don't like them or anything, but just because I'm lazy <laughs> for the most part. Um, but yeah, um, big choice, man. It's it's the perfect follow. It's the great. It's a great sophomore record, you know, where most bands could have fallen off the cliff uh, on number two. Uh, they yeah. kept it and just kept kept rolling. And then the third record, the, the self-titled one is fucking amazing, too. Um, and then protection, I, I kind of ignored a lot of the early aughts and then protection came in and just kicked the door down again. And their new record comes out this month. We should check the release date on that and drop the podcast on that day. I thought that the new record, there, there is a 2021 release already. Singles. Oh, shit. no, it came out. I listened to some of it actually. Oh, it did. Uh, it must yesterday. have came out last week. Yeah. Well, and fuck, I thought even that had some of the energy of this in it it seemed very cool like there was some some cool jams on it yep i love the singles um but i gotta tell you that protection record is front to back flawless it's perfect all right perfect that's my that's my new homework after uh after finishing this i gotta move (laughs) on to protection figure out what's happening over there that's right i have a few things that i still like a few tunes that i would like to touch on let's Um, get it I want this track has a very classic breakdown to me like 215 started playing with other people in a room uh in phoenix this was the song that we played um and i always 
you know, I, I'd been playing guitar for, like I said, like four years at that point, and I, I always had a hard time getting that, like that timing right. Um, and it's still hard, you know, only, only these dudes can play that, you know, and have you ever just sat down and tried to play through a face to face song? It's like, you know, three chords the whole way. (laughs) Fuck it is hard. It's like a workout, man. You know, it's just, maybe I've just never, you know, in my own music played as fast as this, as much as I love it. Uh, it's really hard. (laughs) It's, it is not easy. It is not easy, especially to stay in time, you know, let alone bringing other people in. <laughs> One of my favorite tracks, though, is Everything is Everything. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I think the lyrics on that one are another one of those that felt still very relevant to my to my life. And it's got the... Uh, you that, got a lot of questions. You got a lot to learn. Yeah, man. You got that, that hook of... I know that life can be filled with these changes. I know there's times when it feels like I'm failing. I know something in my life will change again. Like the changes never, never end, you know? Dude, that's right. You're a big lyric guy. Love lyrics. That's right. We talked about that when I was on the first time. And because they've always been like an, an afterthought to me as a songwriter. Uh, And maybe they are now. (laughs) Maybe, maybe I just realized they're an afterthought as a listener too, you know? Um, I've always kind of dug more, I don't want to say more, that sounds shitty, but like just paid more attention to the, the, the melody than like what's actually being said, yeah. you know, as someone that's kind of looked at, at their own voice as an instrument versus like a Bob Dylan delivers the truth. <laughs> yeah. Mouthpiece, for sure. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's great like hearing it from a different perspective. You know, like I was like, I I'm listening to guitars and vocal melody and you're like, well the, the lyrics got to check that shit out. <laughs> it's all of it though. It, I think it's, it's a yeah. complete package here, you know, because all the melodies work so well together. Love the those very high tone guitar melodies that are, mm-hmm. you know, don't always feel like they have a lot of I don't know, meat meat behind them, you know. They're they're sure. very I don't know, in that high frequency. I think one of my favorite moments of the record happens, though, at that two-minute mark. It breaks down. The bass is just going. And then the actual vocal melody and delivery to the to the lyrics out is so killer. And he changes the, the lyrics on that final chorus for that one as well. On everything? Yep. And it doesn't happen until, like, on the out but his his vocals are so like the ceiling has has blown off the roof here that and it it's, it goes emo you know like you can tell there's some sh- there's some heat behind it you yeah. know like it's yeah. not just a dude screaming into a microphone it's like there's some guts behind it just so you know overall lyrically to me just positive you know 
do your best. Don't be a dick. You know, that's what that's the that's the theme of face to face to me. Absolutely. Yeah, I can't tell you how much fun I had just listening to this album over and over. And you're going to continue doing it too. You know, yeah, you it's, are. it's definitely, it, I mean, it's a part of my collection now. I told you I've, I it's, it's on its way. I purchased it's directly from fat records yeah, for anybody buddy. that's out there listening that likes this album. It's only $13 on that's fat awesome. records. That's a crazy deal. Um, fat has just also put out some of my, some, yeah, just some great records over They're doing the, the, years. Str- the strung out reissue bu- and yeah. with a bundle too. Yeah. I saw that. Uh, those first two Rise Against albums are some of my favorite punk albums as well. The Unraveling and Revolutions Per Minute. Joe, the Joey Cape is doing this. His new solo record's coming out. Um, the dude from Lagwagon. And I was reading like the history behind it. And it was basically like he got divorced. He got COVID. And he moved in with his parents. And then his dad died. Oh, he like recorded this record. So, man fucking never ends with these guys i'm stoked that you picked this record and sent me down this this rabbit hole of nostalgia and now i just want to listen to punk rock all day kind of uh kind of kind of in that that mode and it listening to this just made me want to jump in a circle pit hell yeah you know hell yeah dude thanks so much for thinking of me uh, you know to to take over while your illustrious cuzzo is, is <laughs> getting his move on uh no, i super great, appreciate man. it it's an honor it's um, cool to, to just like change it up and you know find out what records are important outside of uh my relationship with him so i'm i'm stoked to have some more guest hosts and i think that you're definitely gonna have to hit me with another another grouping of of, of records to to maybe do another one sometime for sure. Anytime, anytime. Yeah, I was thinking uh, quicksand slip would be a good one. I don't even know what that is. Oh, okay. <laughs> all See? right. This is why this this podcast is important. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're gonna, you know, I'm gonna probably go listen to Op Ivy tomorrow on my big walk. So, yeah. You yeah. know, shit that I you know hadn't thought about in a minute. Yeah. I'm going to send you that Bad Religion album. Oh, yes. That's all it. ages. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, what do you want to play the episode out with? Which track off Don't Turn Away oh, God. shall we uh, send it with? I think that since I've been talking it up this whole time, we got to go a thousand times. You know, it's the outro to the song, last or to the record, last cut. Uh, and to me, really just opened up the world to what these guys could do. Hell yeah. We're playing so. it out with a thousand times off this Don't Turn Away record. I'll put all the links in the episode notes for Fat Records. Uh, for Daniel G. Harmon, his Instagram will be in there as well. Check out all of his music. If you like this music, you should definitely check out his band Local Liars because that was obviously influenced <laughs> by this. Not uh, quite as fast because I'm not good <laughs> <laughs> at playing super fast, but yeah, no, I mean, I, sure I dig influence. that local liar stuff. So people <laughs> should definitely sense. check that out if they like, uh, face to face and, and punk rock in general. So all those links will be in the episode notes. And, uh, that's the thing. That's the jelly James. And we'll catch you on the flip side, Portland, Seattle, wherever you're listening to this thing from. 
Stay safe out there, people. Get vaccinated. I tried to ask a question. There's be a million answers that just aren't there. One, two, three, four. You try to find yourself and try to live my life, but I just don't care. Well, I just don't care. Take a look at your life. Tell me, can you say that you died now? Right? Ask yourself a question. Distro Kit for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Can't say thank you enough to Distro Kid for their support of this thing. And make sure you go into the episode notes and find that Distro Kid link to receive 30% off your first year of membership with Distro Kid, making their already affordable prices even cheaper for you. So make sure you take advantage of that. And the link is also in uh, the link in my Instagram bio on the link tree. So you can find it there as well. Big thanks to DistroKid. Stay up. Stay tuned.